It took a big chunk It's bleeding. It's bleeding. Oh no, it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello again, and welcome along to the latest edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast. And we're going to start on a slightly different tack this week, because the European Super League has caused all sorts of furore over the past seven days. When I first heard about all this, my heart skipped a beat. The European Super League's been in existence since 1996, hasn't it? Why all of this now? Of course, it's not about rugby league. It's about the top six clubs in the Premier League breaking away and forming a new competition. The television, the papers, the radio stations, they've been filled with nothing else up here. But I wonder what the reaction has been on the other side of the world. Steve-O is in Australia, of course. Has it been causing as big a storm down there, Steve-O, as it has up here? It certainly has. And all I can say is that, for once, soccer, as they call it down under, is right at the forefront of all the sports talk. And all they're saying is it's greed, it's money, it's greed. They don't do anything for the fans. And I have to agree with them. They've got it spot on. Well, they have, and those words have been used a million times up here as well. Looking around the world, though, and it's something I've actually been thinking about a little bit just lately, we've Super Leagues now in netball, In women's rugby league, in women's cricket, there's a cricket super league in Pakistan, in basketball in Turkey. But for me, there's only one super league, ours. We could be in danger, though. We could be in danger of being completely overwhelmed here, couldn't we? Not really, Eddie, because they really can't control anything. It's got to a point where when they first started with what we call super league, I think they made a big mistake. It should have been super rugby league. Simple as that. A simple addition to the name would have got everything away from all this. Because as you say, the darts, super this, super that, super. Super commentators as well, Eddie. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but but it, look, it all boils down to that word, doesn't it? Greed. I mean, when you look at those those teams that they're talking about breaking away with the European Super League, they're only interested in one thing. They couldn't give a monkeys about the fans. I mean, how much does it cost to get into a, a football game now? Say a Manchester United versus Man City. How much would it would, would have just a punter that wants to go and watch the game? How much would that cost them now, Eddie? Well, I would think between 50 and 60 pounds for a top seat per seat. And so if you're going with your missus and a couple of kids, you're on a 200 pound day out even before you start. And also, has anybody made any mention about these extra games? Because they want extra games as well as what they've got now. What about the players? I was nearly going to say those poor players, but they're not <laughs> poor players. <laughs> But the, look, there's a lot of trouble down here in Australia in regarding the getting the knock, concussion. They're looking after the players. They want to do that. And yet, soccer, they want to introduce even more games for these players. 
uh, how long can a player just say, can they do three games a week? Can they do four games a week? I doubt it. On the rugby league front, you've mentioned rugby super league or super rugby league. Is there a, a, a credible alternative title we could use? How, how about going back to good old-fashioned rugby league? Well, if you look and you want to say what the title is, it's the Rugby Football League. And I've always wondered, why, why do we have to put the word football in? I like Super Rugby League, simple as that. But we have continued on with the Rugby Football League, when it isn't. It's a Rugby League, simple. So your vote would be Super Rugby League. Let's put that out there in the public domain and see what the reaction is. Yeah, uh, or vice versa, in regards to the fact, just drop the football. I've always stated, you know, it, it's a misnomer in regards to the fact, because people that don't know about Rugby League, they say, oh, uh, I, I watched a game the other day, but why do you call it football? A lot of people in Australia, they often say, oh, rugby football, uh, but isn't it rugby league? Mm. It's extremely confusing. And now we have the opportunity to, to stand up and say, well, all the other sports, you can have Super League, but we've got Super Rugby League. And you can't change that. You can't. And that's, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad idea, old boy. 25 years ago, it all started. Let's just briefly, I mean, it's difficult to do it briefly, I know. Briefly look back. Has Super League, Super Rugby League, whatever you want to call it, has, has it delivered, do you think? Has it delivered what it set out to do? No. When it was first muted, all the clubs were in so much debt that when Murdoch came along and said, I'll pay off all your debts, and on top of that, I'll give you X amount, which I think was somewhere around about £50 million. We call it Super League. We were going all over the, the world with it. Remember, we'll take it to Europe. We'll have a team in Milan. We, had, uh, we tried it in Paris and all that sort of thing. But the conditions from Murdoch and the company that said, we will salvage your game. And that's whether you like it or not, without Murdoch, our game would still be just semi-amateur and not have the same support. Now, they got us out of a very, very bad situation. But in that report, Murdoch made it quite clear. 10% has to go to making sure that the facilities are upgraded, uh, make sure that the, the stands were clean, everything, that you had to have a certain CEO, you had to have someone who's a commercial manager. I think there's about seven or eight different situations where they had to employ someone for each individual job. Well, without mentioning names, Eddie, there was one guy <laughs> who, was, who was doing all five or six of them under an assumed name, but getting the money. And, of course, on the field, uh, we've had, what, four champions in 25 years? So, you know, it was supposed to drive up the standards. It certainly has done that, to be fair, but... But there are only certain clubs who are going to win the Super League, aren't there, each and every year? And we know who they are. Well, sadly, yes. Uh, thankfully, down in Australia, they, the salary cap uh, is monitored extremely well. 
And even in the past, uh, Melbourne and Canterbury have had their titles taken away from them because they didn't come under the salary cap. Now, I'm not so sure whether we have as much investigation as they do down in Australia, but I think there have been four to five occasions where they've taken points away because they've had a discrepancy with their finances. And down in Australia, we've had more champions than what we've had in the UK. So down here, it seems to be working. And back home, I don't think it is working. Well, it isn't because some of the clubs just can't afford to pay to the salary cap limit. Third round last weekend, Danny Houghton broke the Super League record for tackles in a match. Listen to this. No fewer than 85 tackles in the game against Warrington. He's always been a tackling machine, but that figure, that's incredible, Steve. <laughs> it, well, it, it's an amazing situation because if, if they didn't have any possession in the full 80 minutes, that means he's doing a tackle under one minute one minute all the time. Yeah. And let's, if you work out on the situation whereby they're getting 50% of, of attack and 50% in defense, he's still tackling uh, once every 30 seconds. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's a, it is unbelievable. I mean, we, we've always admired Eddie. We've said it for years that this man, you talk about putting your heart and soul into a game and into any sport. But he is just an amazing man. Though, after all those tackles, Eddie, I think you might remember one that was the most important to him. Yes, the one in the Challenge Cup final that denied Warrington yep. again. Yeah, I do. My word. And, and as I say, he can walk around feeling very proud. Yeah, I've done 85 tackles. But that one tackle will always be in his memory because that was the reason that they won the Challenge Cup. Absolutely. You, you wouldn't expect Wigan to lie down and take this lightly, would you? I've read a, a report today. Morgan Smithies holds the world record for tackles in a match, 72 in 80 minutes, uh, which means, of course, that um, he is a little bit less than Danny Houghton. But they're saying that Houghton made 67 tackles in 80 minutes. They're saying in Wigan that Danny Houghton's new Super League record was was created over a 90-minute game. I mean, they're, they're splitting hairs a bit here, aren't they? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, surely. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't matter to you and I, Eddie, but obviously, in as much that they think that they are always going to be the best. It's simple as that. Now, there's nothing wrong with being confident, is there? And they've had so many great players. What was it? Nine, nine Challenge Cups on the trot or something of that nature? Well, they and were the Challenge Cup kings, yeah. Yeah, and when you get to that sort of situation, it's difficult to be able to convince anybody who supports Wigan that they're not the best, not only in the UK or in Europe, but in the entire world. Exactly. And you can't blame them. No, exactly. They're, they're, listen, Wigan, St. Helens, um, they are rugby league towns through and through. And over up here, as you know, they believe that they are, they are the biggest clubs in the world. Those two, no, no question. The, the match itself against Warrington, by the way, it ended all square. It was the the first draw in Super League since 2018, and this despite the golden point 
it was a drop goal-a-thon in the end, but it sounds like it was a, a pretty good and exciting game. Oh, it must have been tremendous. I mean, the, when you when you start looking at uh, the the amazing drop goal specialists that both sides have, and they couldn't nail it, they couldn't get on get on with it. But I'm glad that they both got a point each. Yeah. Because I remember a few years ago they were saying that uh, they would play on until somebody won. That was one of the main things that they were trying to bring in to ensure that you had a result was that soon as you you hit the one point or whatever, you just carried on until someone actually did or scored a try. Yeah, we got a draw. That that, that would be that would be Warrington's um, memory of that. We we fought like the devil and and we we got a draw. Uh, Hull Kingston Rovers and Huddersfield nearly ended up in the same way. Um, and the first try here is another Super League record, Steve. The first try scored <laughs> in seven point five seconds. What's the old What's the old um, adage that you used to say on the the telly? Never, never let, let the rugby never ball, let the ball bounce. bounce. <laughs> Simple as that. I mean, it, look, you know, coaches work hard on kickoff situations. Make sure that you've got people in a position so that when the ball is lifted into the air, you have one hundred percent opportunity to catch it and to let it bounce is an absolute disgrace. Uh, full credit to saying it's a record. I don't really know whether it's important. Do you it think was, that's important? Uh, guess who guess, guess who doesn't think it's important? Wigan. Because Wigan St. Pat's are claiming that the world record, oh, the no, world no, record no. is 7.3 seconds and it was scored by a guy called Dean Hatton for Wigan St. Pats in 2015. So there you go. It matters. It matters again. I'm sorry, Dean Hatton. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that has come to the situation. You can't tell me that there hasn't been a game of rugby league at amateur level, professional We know that there hasn't been a professional level, so they say. But there's got to be one at amateur level where straight from the kickoff they've scored in two seconds or or whatever. Seven point three. Wiggins and Pats, Dean Hatton, twenty fifteen. There it is, black and white. It's right in front of me. <laughs> the, the important thing for Hull Kingston Rovers is that they've had three one point margin games already. Two have been lost. This one was one, so third time lucky for them. They will be relieved, won't they? Oh, of course they will. I mean, there's nothing worse than to to lose a game by just one point. I mean, it's bad enough to lose the game. But you know, when it comes to you know missing out when some the opposition has got the field goal, uh, no, I'm pleased for them. Uh, and quite frankly, I, I've been watching all the games and uh, I thought they played exceptionally well. Uh, a lot of people were thinking that uh, Hull KR were you know, in the same league as Lee, fighting it out to avoid relegation. Well... From what I've seen from Olkington Rovers so far this year, I think they'll escape relegation. I think they'll make mid-table. Well, well done, Jordan Abdul, for the one-pointer. What about Huddersfield, Steve-O? It doesn't get any better or any easier for them uh, because on the back of this one-point heartbreak, and they, they really did fight back to get it back to 24 apiece. On the back of that, they've got, guess who this week? St. Helens, your tip for the top. It's going to be difficult for them. 
not only physically but mentally. Uh, they'll be pulling their hair out, and you know, with the new coach, it is trying to get things working. And I don't know whether it's just a lack of belief in their own in their own playing ability. Sometimes, you know, a, a new coach can be can be good to come in, change a few things, and it works. Sometimes it takes a long time for a coach to make sure that this is the way he wants them to play. I hope it's going to get that situation uh, eventually. Uh, we have a, a same problem here. You know, a great player, Trent Barrett, played for played for Australia, a wonderful player. He's taken up a new coaching role at Canterbury, and they're in the same position. They got walloped by North Queensland by 30 points to 18. And the Bulldogs, well, they're like the French dog. They just don't have any, don't have any power. Um, they don't bark. They just squeak. <laughs> How many French dogs do you know? <laughs> I used to go to Paris. I used to go to Paris on a regular basis. You know oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know. The, the poor old Eurostar is struggling since you you've been back home in Australia. Uh, talking of the French, uh, the Catalan. They march on. First home game of the season. Forty-two points to six. Big winners over Salford. Tompkins, fine form again. Uh, Fuad Yaha, his hat-trick of tries, grabbed the headlines. A standout performance, though, from Mike McMeekin. He's got to be in the England frame, hasn't he? Oh, I, I would think so. and I'm, I'm sure that uh, you know, Sean Wayne has, has made sure that he will be in that category. Uh, there's going to be a lot of interest in, in who's going to take that full-back position. But the one thing is give yourself the opportunity and that is why everybody who is playing now will want to impress the new England coach. And why not? Because he's given them the opportunity. He said that this is not laid down. The group of players that I've got there could, could completely change. 50% of those could be other players who were coming in. And I think he's got the right attitude because you can't say, oh, well, your favourite's to do this and your favourite's to do that. He's made it quite clear. He brought in another two or three players into, into the squad the other day. So if you're playing well out there, do your best. But his big problem is the fullback and the hooker. We've got, we've got so many good ones in those two positions. Too many, too many. Mike, Mike McMeekin doesn't fall into that bracket, of course, but he, he's, he's knocking on the door, as they all are in, in Super League at the minute. They really are knocking on the door for Sean Wayne, which is fantastic to see, by the way. Richard Marshall, his version of events, the Salford coach, the beleaguered Salford coach, quote, we let ourselves and the fans down. He's on a really tough learning curve, isn't he, Richard Marshall? Yeah, it was always going to be a gamble. Always a gamble. When you lose a top quality coach like that and you bring someone in who, let's face it, doesn't have the same experience in the coaching role, it's not going to be easy, not only for him, but it's the players. Do they have the mentality to say, you know, we're doing things different? We were so successful over the last couple of seasons and yet we're doing something different and we're not clicking. I do hope that it will eventually sort itself out. But they've got to get into the mood very, very quickly indeed. They have. The other games last weekend, Saints 34-6 winners against Wakefield. Castleford 
52-16 against Lee. Leeds gave it a shot against Wigan, but went down 19 points to six. Four now with a 100% record at the top. Um, and looking ahead to this week's games, um, well, it's one of those ones that we can say, even after four rounds, is a relegation four-pointer, can't we? Salford will face Lee. This is a massive match for these two. Well, it is, especially for the coaches as well. And uh, I, I think that both coaches will have realised that they are going into this game because there's nothing beats having a win. doesn't matter how you get it. If you're down in the dumps and you haven't come to the, <laughs> come to the starting line and getting anywhere near getting to the finish line, they'll be saying, well, we have the opportunity now. To get that, those two points up on the league table is a huge boost for them. And the players, they will understand that. But it's the same down here in, in, in Australia, Eddie. You know, Huddersfield, Lee, Wakefield, Salford, they've yet to win. And, and we're getting already, after so many few rounds, is that there's a breakaway with all the top clubs breaking away from, sadly, the bottom clubs. And we could get through halfway through the season and you could say to yourself, well, half the league have gone. They've got no chance of making the playoffs. Now, that is not good for any sport, never mind rugby league. No, that's true. That's true. Wigan against Castleford at the top of the table on Thursday. Something's got to give here. Um, Wigan might be going into this under a little bit of a shadow because Jackson Hastings is on his way to West's Tigers at the end of this season. So all the rumours and all the, uh, the speculation about Hastings' future has come to fruition. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Um, he has moved on, remember? He, he played very, very well for Salford. That's the reason why Wigan targeted him, to get him through. Uh, but if you've got a good manager, and evidently Hastings has a very good manager, and he's been able to come up with a two-year contract with the West Tigers. He's a fabulous player. And when you think about the fact that people keep saying that the Australian clubs are far superior to ours, etc., and so forth. The reason why the West Tigers have gone for this fella is because he produced for Salford and Wigan. This man can control a game. And in this modern day, anybody that can control the game with the kick-in, with his bringing on the forwards or the, the run-around moves, if he's got the brain to be able to control a match, then that's where he gets the big money. And it didn't surprise me that West Tigers, who I must say are getting rid of quite a few of their players, so they've got to be well under the salary cap. There is talk about that they've got uh, 500000 to play with. And when you've got that sort of money to offer him a two-year contract, maybe he's on 250000 a season. It wouldn't surprise me. So it's not just the sunshine he's coming back for. He's coming back for the big bucks as well. Um, of course, the attention now switches to who is going to replace Jackson Hastings. The Wigan supporters have already hit the headlines. They want George Williams back from Canberra, but that's probably got a couple of years to run because I think he's not had a contract till the end of next year. Harry Smith, Harry Smith, Wigan's exciting young halfback. He signed a four-year deal to stay at the DW Stadium. Chris Radlinski, none other, says... He is a very much a key figure for Wigan in years to come. There's a hint 
there's a hint. It might be Harry Smith next year. Well, let's hope so. Uh, you know, Rydlinski knows what he's talking about when it comes to rugby league. And they obviously are looking towards the future. And that's what you've got to do. Remember last week, Eddie, we were talking about the fact that there's not enough attention to helping junior development clubs to create these young stars to come through. And I'm pleased that uh, that Wigan have, have got this guy down on a long-term contract because how often do we see it where they go on, on you know, we we'll give you a one-year contract and then they go somewhere else and then become stars with another team. You've got to back your assessment and they obviously feel that this young kid is going to be a star and I hope he is. Fingers crossed he will be. Um, another massive match at the weekend is Catalan against Warrington on Saturday. That's live on Sky Sports. This is another big test for both uh, Warrington and the Dragons, isn't it? Well, you talk about Tompkins, don't you? He wants to play for England in the World Cup. Little doubt about that. He's playing out of his skin. I also mentioned last last week, Eddie, in the fact that uh, the 2020 season, I didn't think he came up to uh, to scratch. But he knows that there's that dangling carrot at the end of the line. It's called the World Cup. But I've got to say, uh, Yaha, hat-trick, they're playing well, aren't they? They are playing well, Catalan. Uh, unbeaten and up there near the, the top of the table. OK, that's the... Uh, rugby league, super league, super rugby league, whatever you want to call it, uh, dealt with. What's happening down there where you are, Steve-O? How, how's the weather, first of all? It's glorious, by the way, up here. Glorious. It's freezing. Well, well when, I say fre- <laughs> when I say freezing, it was, it was nine degrees today. Oh, you must be, and you must be uh, shivering. And it's now dropped to eight. You must be shivering. Uh, well, we, we've had the coldest... Uh, coldest stretch the last uh, 10 days that's ever been recorded in April. So that just shows you how, how, how I'm suffering. In <laughs> fact, I haven't, been, I haven't been in the swimming pool for a fortnight. Oh, dearie me. Dearie, dearie me. Let me get the violin. Let me get the violin out <laughs> the case. Uh, what's, what, what, what about in the game? What, what's happening down there? Any, any juicy goss? You, you know, we, we've already lost Jackson Hastings. Who else is going? Well, there's nothing on that uh, that I can sort of give you an inside information because most of the stuff is all about this concussion, this uh, HIA situation. Um, Some of the clubs are using it to be able to get a player on and off and then not lose that substitute. Oh, you see, that's nasty. That's, That's naughty. If they're trying to get it through for health and safety reasons, fair play. But if they're fiddling yeah. it and diddling it, it's not on. That's not on. Yeah. Well, most people in Australia are saying, well, the coaches are working hard to do that. There was also a bit of a throwback uh, a week ago because there wasn't so many penalties being given, or should I say uh, six again called out because they were the referees, they were stating that they were very lax at the play the ball area. So anyone that wasn't in a position like the first and second marker, if they weren't directly back under each other, uh, then they were going to get six again. And if it consisted on just, they'd just give a penalty. Now, this has become very welcome for all the talented hookers who run from dummy half. And if they can play the ball quickly and then run into the player that hasn't had chance 
to mm. get one and two behind, guess what? They get penalized. Six to go. Now, yeah, now coaches, coaches just work on this principle all the time. If they can just turn it around. It's all about tactics, isn't it? It's all about... Well, it, it, well, it is, know, yeah. Free match planning. Um, now, there's a little, bit of, a little bit of a debate also about the fact that um, a former Australian Deputy Prime Minister, a guy called Troy Grant, uh, recently has been given the new chairmanship of the International Rugby League Association. And he's made it quite clear that he wants France to have their third World Cup series They've added in 54-72, and he is aiming for 2025. Now, Trent Robinson, the Roosters coach, is already the director of rugby for the French national team. And there's been an outcry by, uh, remember Christophe Geoffrey? I do. He was the, he was the CEO of the uh, Catalan Dragons. Well, he has now came out and just made it quite clear that if that was the case, it would be the biggest boost to spread the game further in France. And I do hope that they are going to ensure that it gets there because there's a little bit of unrest in France that they're not spreading their wings enough. Okay, we've got to lose, but they want to try to get at least three teams in Super League. And I hope they do it because we, we have to spread our game. Absolutely, we do, and and that argument, that that discussion, argument's the wrong word. That discussion uh, about a possible uh, French World Cup, French-based World Cup, has been gathering a little bit of momentum up here as well. I've seen it in the papers. Um, I would imagine uh, you would. Well, you've already said you hope it happens, and you go back to seventy-two. It would bring back some memories for you, wouldn't it? Would it ever? Probably the best celebration that I've been involved with. I've never drunk as much champagne and beer. Simple as that. <laughs> Who was paying? No, no. Who was paying? I, I, the rugby league. Was the rugby league footing the bill? Listen, <laughs> you know my wallet has never been seen by you, <laughs> and never and never will be. You will never witness my wallet. Simple as that. Talking about talking about uh, World Cups and etc. There's also a little bit of a talk about um, the Sydney Roosters. Um, they've lost uh, Jake Friend. He's had to retire through injury, uh, a great player. And they're targeting that All Blacks Union star, uh, TJ Peronara. Right. And they reckon he's, he's a, a scrum half. Now, his contract runs out. He's playing for a team in, uh, in Japan called the, the Red Hurricanes. And he's got a very, very good contract but it expires this may on the 23rd and the roosters have made an offer to say come and play as a hooker not a halfback as he is in rugby union because they think that they're very similar and they're trying to get him over and they've offered him 150,000 just to come over and play those final games till the end of the season wow that's interesting isn't it I mean, that's the difference. You see, I can't remember a rugby union star since the days of Jonathan Davis, Scotty Quinnell, um, people like that coming from rugby union over here to play in rugby league anymore because, of course, they, they went open. They went open and professional in rugby union. So it doesn't happen up here anymore, sadly. 
No, just um, down there, though, eh? But though uh, we are talking also about rugby union because uh, there's a a little bit of a row sort of coming up about once again Israel Falau. Now Saint George made an offer for Israel Falau, and they got absolutely lambasted by saying no. There is no way in the world he should come back to rugby league. Now, that was the National Rugby League that said. Now, Andrew Abdo has said, and he's the Australian Rugby League boss, NRL boss, who now claims that there's rumour that Israel Folau can return to play in the second tier of the league in Queensland. Now, they just stopped St. George from even putting in an application to join, uh, to make sure that Israel Folau could play. Now is that to say that they cannot stop this man playing in a lower division? How stupid is that? I suppose it's because of, well, like, is it trade restriction or, you know, some sort of rule... Uh, along those lines, that they can't stop him from earning a living somewhere, surely. It'll be something well, if, like that. Yeah, but if, they, if they've done that in the NRL, Eddie, which they did, like, as I said, they got Lambas at St. George. They said, well, we're interested in signing him. And they said, no, you're not. It's as simple as that. And now it appears that they can't do anything to stop him applying to play in the, June, in the uh, what they call the Queensland Cup. In the second it's string. My, it, it's madness. Well, even though he's not playing, he's still causing an odd ripple, is Israel Folau. There's no doubt about that. Now tells, how tells, or nothing? All done? Well, my throat's dry, Eddie. <laughs> well, go and get some of that French champagne out of the <laughs> fridge that you've had in it since 1972. I couldn't afford champagne in 1972, Eddie, and you know that. <laughs> you, can now. that. you can but now. You can now. But the one thing that I'm I'm hoping for is that uh, the lockdowns, et cetera, and so forth, will allow this this year the World Cup to go ahead. Here, here. It will it will be it will be absolutely such a disappointment. And I've set my sights. I would love to be there and see the competition. And I would also love nothing better than seeing the England captain, whoever it may be, lift the trophy. I think that's a perfect place to end this week. Take care of yourself. Watch that you're not chipping the frost off that swimming pool. Don't be going mad. And we'll see you same time next week, Steve-O. Take it easy. Take it easy.